Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Hello again, I'm Paul Hutchin, political editor of The Daily Record. Uh, welcome to another Planet Hollywood. Uh, joining me this week are our esteemed guests, John Ferguson, who's the political editor of the Sunday Mail, and Ben Borland, the editor of the Scottish Daily Express. So we've effectively had to rip up the, the running order given the news this morning. I should say, broken by the Daily Record, that Michael Matheson had finally resigned as health secretary over the iPad data roaming scandal. Um, should have resigned about two months ago, but uh, let it drag on and on. Um, interestingly, there was a story in one of the papers this morning that the Scottish Parliament's internal investigation into the data roaming charges were critical of Michael Matheson, and lo and behold, he quits this morning. So, John, just starting with you, he was always going to walk the plank at some point, why now? I, I think that it certainly looks to me like it's something to do with that investigation and he's been given a heads up that it's the news isn't going to be good and he's realised that he's he's got to, to go. Um, I think you're t- completely correct in that you said he should have gone a long time ago. You almost get the feeling that that belligerence is what's led him to be in the position he's in now. It looks like he had plenty of time to change his mind and pay this £11,000 and didn't do it. That created the crisis that um, led to calls for his resignation earlier or at the end of last year. If he'd actually just left at that point, he could probably be thinking about a return to government by now. Instead, he's hung on and hung on and hung on. Um, he's now absolutely ran out of line He's, um, he's had to resign. It's difficult to see him coming back anytime soon. Ben, the resignation statement, it was a sort of greatest hits of everything that he thought he did well in government. Um, he briefly touched on the, the data roaming scandal and uh, didn't say sorry. No, he didn't. No, um, but uh, that was a, a glaring omission, really, given that um, I mean, clearly, that this is the only reason that he's resigning is because um, he's tried to tough it out. He's tried to cling on. Um, the report that you mentioned, I mean, well done on getting the the, uh, the exclusive, Paul, and, and the record on on um, Matheson standing down. There was another report this morning um, which says that there's damning new evidence in the Scottish Parliament corporate body investigation report doesn't say what that damning new evidence is as, as far as i know we don't know what it is yet but that that to me is is the reason he's gone 
is gone be- because there's something new, something beyond what we knew last November that's even worse than than we thought at the time. Sorry, there's fire alarms going off here. Um, I, yeah, I think I think the suggestion, Ben, is that uh, you might have misled officials at some point. This, right, so that's, that's what the new evidence is that he's... That's the claim anyway. Um, I mean, that's... To, to me, that that's that's a key question. Did when Humza Yusuf offered him such full-blooded backing last year, did he know that he'd misled officials, or has that now been uncovered? I mean, for, my, for there to be new evidence, it, it suggests that Humza Yusuf didn't know this last November. Um, so. That means presumably either, or, or he did know and he stood by him anyway, and it's so bad that he's got to resign now, or he was misled by a senior cabinet uh, mm. ally, which you know doesn't exactly uh, tell you much about Humza Yusuf's authority in government. I mean, to, for, for me, this is as much about Humza Yusuf as it is about Michael Matheson. His judgment has, has been appalling. He's, he's, he's made a huge mistake in essentially staking his own reputation on his health secretary staying in post. And, you know, within two months at the first sort of shove, it's all gone down anyway. Like like, like John said, if he'd have just quit last year, it would have saved Humza a lot of trouble. It would have saved everyone a whole lot of trouble. But he's actually landed his, his boss. His, his payment for being loyal to him is that he's landed him with a huge question mark against his authority that was already you know fairly shaky anyway john just to pick up i mean matheson's toast he says today i think that the story will move on from him although we'll eventually get the, the parliamentary reports um coming out but just on the point that ben made about the first minister's judgment i mean let's not forget that uh, there was a point at which comes the use of said the case is closed and they also paid tribute to Michael Matheson's character. I mean, he had plenty of opportunities to sack this guy, didn't do it, and then has allowed him to hide behind this parliamentary investigation, which has just dragged it out even more. I mean, what, what do you make of Humza's handling of it? Yeah, it's been, he's, I think that that's probably Humza Yusuf's greatest. Um, problem isn't it that he's too loyal to people that he probably shouldn't be as loyal to um who who could you mean who whoever could you mean yeah, who who um i don't think there's anyone in the country that was following this story that really believed um michael matheson's claim was around when he realized that actually it had been his kids watching football and um, not him doing government or sorry parliamentary business on his iPad that led to this huge bill, and you've got to wonder, you know, that, is Humza Yusuf the only person in Scotland that actually believed Michael Matheson when he said that he didn't realise anyone had been watching football? Because I think he probably is the only person if that's his position, and you wonder whether this new evidence that's been uncovered is. Um, you have to. It looks likely that it's something that's going to um, to you know 
cast that claim that he didn't know until very late on in seriously bad light. Yeah. Although, do you think, though, Ben, even though it's been a disaster for Hamza, um, it's probably a textbook example on how not to handle a crisis. This is an opportunity for him, isn't it? Because he gets rid of Matheson, he's, he's walked. He can put in a new health secretary, he can shuffle the pack. You know, it's the last day before recess. You know, a skilled politician would be able to turn this to his advantage. Well, a skilled politician would. I think that's the, the key uh, The key words in, in that question uh, is that Hamza Yusuf's not a skilled politician. Um, he's, he's, he's been very good at towing the party line and doing as he's told. Um, and Well, I'll say very good. I mean, he's managed to make quite a few errors during his ministerial career. But, you know, his ability and his greatest asset in rising to the top is this loyalty to the party? But now he's got there, he's it, it's proving to be a, a real kind of weight around his neck because his first instinct is to say, No, no, nothing to see here, there, there was nothing wrong, no one's done anything wrong. But actually, it, that that's betraying him because sometimes, as, as a, a leader of a party, the leader of a, a, an administration, you do have to say, Right, look. Uh, you're an old friend and an old colleague, but I'm going to have to let you go on this occasion. And um, I, I describe, I think it, it's, it, it may be an opportunity to, for a reshuffle. I mean, he's going to have to reshuffle. He's got a drugs and policy minister to find as well. But there's not that, you know, it's not a hugely uh, talented uh, pool that he's got to choose from. Lots of, the SNP old guard stood down along with Nicola Sturgeon. Um, there's a, a you know a rebel group on the back benches who um, who, who have, have been critical of the government and bringing some of those. I know there's talk of Kate Forbes maybe being brought back into cabinet, but you know what what does that do to the the Butte House agreement with the Greens? Um, do, do you bring John Swinney back? I mean, anywhere he turns. It only shows how weak a position he's in. Um, so, so I think he's he's in a lot, which is probably a factor in why he didn't sack Matheson in the first place because he doesn't have a lot of options. So Ben, we'll probably get the new cabinet in ninety minutes. But let's imagine that uh, Hamza was to call you, um, or asking for advice on who he should appoint as health secretary. Who would you suggest would be the best fit for for health secretary? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The idea of Hamza Yusuf calling me for advice. <laughs> um, I know this I is mean, improbable, uh, but I mean, my my advice would would be to um, turn to Kate Forbes and not only use you know embrace the opportunity to get rid of the Greens. Um. I mean, you, John, are you, are you convinced to bring back Kate? Or do you think there should be a sort of internal cabinet reshuffle? Well, I think Ben's absolutely right. There's not a wealth of talent there for him to choose from. And yeah, I mean, it would be a bold move that could potentially be the reset that he needs to bring Kate Forbes back in. She strikes me as the kind of person that, as much as she's been critical of some things, 
if she's in the tent, then she's in the tent, then she's she'll be loyal and she'll do a good job. She's clear we saw from the COVID inquiry that she's very bright and um convincing as a you know a top level politician. So I think that it would be no bad thing to bring Kate in. It would probably neutralise her as a sort of, you know, a, as a, a, a enemy. And um, it would kind of show strength to bring someone in who, who who's viewed as being an, uh, a, a comp- competitor to you. Um, and yeah, the, the, the big problem with that would be where it would leave the House agreement and the deal with the Greens and I think it just feels like that that power sharing agreement is kind of doomed to fail at some point over the next couple of years, whether it lasts to the election or not. It's unlikely that it's going to go on after that. Yeah, Hamza just can't catch a grip, can he, Ben? It's just like one disaster to the next. It's just. But, but, but here's the thing, though. So, you know, when he took over as leader last year, it's not his fault that Nicola Sturgeon gets arrested and then released without charge. And it's not his fault that, that Murrell did. But this is on him, this one. But it's dragged out for so long. Um, that, you know, that this you, you can't blame someone else for this nonsense. No, this is a mess entirely of his own making. Um, no, no question about that. Um yeah, you're right. A lot of the other problems he's had to deal with, the Operation Branch form, also the you know the WhatsApp deletions and the um, the, the, the terrible coverage and, and headlines from the COVID inquiry, were all really setting train before he took over. I don't, I don't think you can say he's entirely kind of clean on those because you know he was a cabinet secretary. He did take over the part. I'm, I'm sure he knew what was coming when he when he accepted. The, the job and, and uh, agreed whatever backroom deal was agreed for him to be the continuity candidate. The, the, you know, I'm, I'm sure he was aware that this was coming, but he thought, look, I, I can I can tough this out. But but yeah, the Matheson scandal is is all his own making, um, and uh, yeah, it'll be very very interesting to see how he how he gets out of it. I mean, I don't know. Does does he turn to Kate Forbes? I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe Mary McCallan might get yeah. another promotion. She, she seems. I think, to I think it's pointing to internal cabinet reshuffle rather than outsiders brought in. It would be an interesting question whether Kate Forbes would take the job if she yeah. was offered. I guess. Well, no, I mean last time she was offered rural. Uh, yeah. Time, so I, I mean, it's a big job. The NHS is in a is in a terrible state and this isn't just in scotland you know in england and wales across the uk covid's left the health service in in a, a hell of a state and so so you know it's no small job i mean you could argue it's probably the the, the biggest job in government is getting the nhs back on track and also bear in mind she's not uh, signed up to the buffer zone plan which would fall under the the health directorate. I think she's quite clear she can't back ban on silent prayer. So it's, that's quite a difficult one as well, I think, um, for Kate Forbes and Hamza Yusuf there's to be some sort of deal between them. Yeah, I wonder whether Kate Forbes would ultimately move on that because it just seems like a 
indefensible position, you know. But I don't know if she's been categoric that she doesn't understand the need to, you know, strike a high, happy medium between silent prayer and harassing people going in and out of hospitals. No, indeed. Um, so let's talk about the other one of the other big things in Parliament today, the budget stage one debate. Um, it's going to pass because the SNP and the Greens have got the votes. I suppose the, the main thing affecting readers would be income tax rises. Um, there's the creation of a sixth income tax band on income of around 75 grand to 125 grand. The top rate tax, they put 1p on that as well. So it's um, it's been spun as a sort of soak the wealthy budget, uh, asking people with the broader shoulders to pay a bit more income tax. Um, ben, I can't imagine the Express is too keen on this, and you would probably like to see it fall. We'd love to see it fall. Um, I think I've made the point on Planet Hollywood before. I, I'd like to see income tax levied at a UK level, um, and, and, and I think devolving it was a mistake. Um, I think one of the things that we'll hear this afternoon, no doubt, trotted out again, is the arguments over do a majority of Scots pay more tax than, than they would if they lived south of the border? Um, which, you know, it's getting very tired, but it, it's clear that the Scottish government is trying to pull a bit of a fast one with the stats because they, they look at um, the average earnings from a year ago to, to decide whether to, to just keep 51% on the right side of, of paying more than they would. Whereas if you use the current stats, it, it flips the other way and 51% in Scotland pay more. So, so there's this whole dancing on the head of a pin over whether you can claim that Scotland's the most heavily taxed part of the UK. Aside from that, obviously, the, the, the rates then rise very, very steeply as, as, as you get into the higher earners. It's, you know, it's, it, it's a well-rehearsed argument that there's a danger here that, that people will just move, uh, you know, if you've got uh, a flexible enough kind of lifestyle that you could base yourself south of the border for tax purposes, I think you get into the stage where people on, you know, big-ish, big salaries, 70, 80 grand plus, which is a lot, but, but you know, it's it, 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 they're not millionaires by any means, are going to start to think, look, I'll, I'll, I'll move down south. If they have a company, maybe then, you know, they take jobs with them. It's, um, you know, it, it, it's always a mistake, I think. I think economics bears this out. It's an easy target. Let's tax the rich more, let's soak the rich. But economically, it's been shown that, that it doesn't actually work. What, what you need to do is is generate more tax. And you do that by growing the economy, getting more people into work, getting people off out-of-work benefits, creating more jobs, getting more people, more entrepreneurs, you know, drive the economy. Don't just try and hose the people who are actually the wealth creators in hold, society. Hold on a second, Ben. I mean, you're saying that you prefer tax to be UK, but the UK government's been raising taxes on us as well. They have, yeah, and, uh, and uh, the Express has certainly been, uh, you know, highlighting that and, and calling for, for, for 
a reversal of the situation we find ourselves in. I think the tax burden is now the highest in sort of modern history, and that's for the UK. Uh, the, the tax burden, I've not seen the figures, but I would imagine the tax burden for Scotland is, is even higher. Um, so, you know, the, it's a question for governments on, on both sides of the border. Um, but I, I think most people would accept that even though down south you're paying a lot of tax, you're probably paying more than you'd like to, you're still paying more. If, if you're below those medium earnings, it's, you know, a couple of P a week. If you're above it, it rises very rapidly to, to you know, hundreds, if not thousands of pounds a year more in tax. I think, John, I think people would just like to done. have one, one tax burden for the whole UK. John, do you think there'll be an electoral cost to the SNP in relation to these income tax rises? Or do you think that because it's a relatively small number of people paying the, the new the, the new rate and the new band and because there are so few taxpayers paying uh, the top rate as well that uh, they probably factored that in and decided that uh, you know their core support would actually be affected by it. Um, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily true that taxing the rich doesn't work. If you look at some of Britain's best economic periods since the sort of post-war years or periods where we had very high tax for the wealthiest people and some of those periods have been the periods of strongest growth for the UK overall. So I, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, I think one thing about taxes or ta the idea of taxing the rich is that everybody assume everybody's in favour of taxing the rich and everybody thinks that the rich is anyone who's got more money than them. Um, so, I mean, yeah, these higher bans affect relatively few people. I don't really buy the idea that they're going to move to England. I think that's, and there may be a few people who their circumstances will allow that, but in the main, people are just going to grumble about it a bit in these higher bans. But it is the case that you know, once you get over, I think it's around £30,000 in Scotland, you are incrementally paying more tax than you would do in England. And I think that you're right, really, the cost here is potentially going to be at the ballot box in a future Scottish election. Um, I, I, In general, I think people are quite happy to pay a little more if they can really see with in their own lives and with their own experience get that, that public services are better and that they're getting something for that money. The danger with taxing more in Scotland is if people feel like they're looking across the border and thinking, well, we are paying more and we're actually potentially getting less because our money's yeah. been mismanaged. That That's the real danger. I think people pay more, but they've got to feel like they're getting more. And in many ways they are, you know, we're, you're, the free university education, free prescriptions, these big things are, are fantastic public benefits that cost money. But I think as the years have gone on, you just see this tax burden gradually moving away from the amount that you're paying south of the border and people aren't seeing things getting better in the NHS with waiting lists and education, then, you know, gradually people will become a little bit unhappy about that and might be tempted to vote for another party. Mm. Uh, ben, this, I interviewed yesterday the Express's favourite MSP, uh, Green 
uh, Ross Greer. Um, to be fair to Ross, he's probably one of the most influential MSPs in the Scottish Parliament in terms of signing off things. I mean, I think that, I know that you hate the budget, but he was pretty instrumental in that budget from a green perspective. He openly describes it as green income tax plans. I spoke to him and he said that he thinks that once this budget is done and dusted, that the government could go even further on income tax, maybe even more bans. Um, so it sounds like, you know, they've got the bit between their, their teeth and uh, this might this might just be the beginning. Well, that's terrifying, Paul. Um, I, I mean, the fact that I think we've covered as well, Ross Greer does seem to have a huge amount of influence in the Scottish government. I mean, he meets Shona Robeson on a, on a regular basis. Um, like you say, he, he seems to revel in taking credit for a lot of the, the policies. Um, even when they're not his, I saw this week he was in trouble because he took credit for freezing or the extension to the uh, uh, axing of peak time rail fares, which actually was a uh, push for by the, the, the rail unions. Um, and Neil Finlay pulled him up on that. So, so he's taking credit things for things that he hasn't done. He's taking credit for things he has done. I mean, how much influence do the Greens have in the Scottish government? He seems, like, seems like a good politician. You know what I think? An effective politician. Ross, well... If, if you look at it from his perspective and what he wants to achieve in government, you'd have to say he's been a success. Well, a lot of the things that the SNP have been pushed into trying to achieve for the Greens have ended up in complete disaster and have been axed. I mean, the fishing ban, the uh, recycling, the, 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 the bottle, uh, the a lot of the, the, the taxes on, you know, the, the looking at whiskey advertising, um, the, the deposit return scheme, sorry. So, so a lot of these things that the Greens are taking credit for have actually been policy disasters and have, 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 have had to be dropped. And, you know, I, th I think we need to know are, are, how influential are the Greens? I mean, they've got, I think, 8% of the, uh, the the list vote in 2021, 0% more or less on the constituency because they don't stand everywhere. So, so, you know, such a small percentage of Scotland actually voted Green, and yet they seem to have almost a 50% input in, into SNP policy um, and, and you know Ross Greer's uh, if you're a Green supporter yeah great Ross Greer is very effective and he, he is pushing through policies that were far to the left of what the SNP set out he, he, he is managing to get these things onto the statute books but who on whose authority what's to, to use the dreaded word uh, who gave him the mandate to do this? It's... I reckon that Ross is going to use your words in his next election poster, Ben. He's going to be absolutely delighted. <laughs> well, maybe. I, I, the other thing I've seen Ross Greer doing is, uh, have you set me up here, Paul? This is, uh, um, he's already got my words on his Twitter account. <laughs> um, the other thing the Greens seem to be doing is they're fighting the SNP's election battles. They seem to be attacking Labour all the time now, mm. which uh, seems a bit strange. Is that Are they just doing that for their pals? I mean, 
John, John, what's your thoughts? I mean, you and I, we both know Ross. Um, he's a pretty effective operator, isn't he? Yeah, I, th I think it's impossible to deny that, whether it's in terms of exerting his influence in order to get policies through that he is in favour on, or whether it's, like in, for example, some of the committees, you know, it's almost embarrassing other, watching other MPs trying to interrogate uh, public officials and things like that. that could, Ross always does a very good job. He's a really bright guy. He's got a fairly radical political um, set of values. Um, but yeah, from his point of view, he's, he's, he's getting things done. And I think that's what anyone wants or politicians to be able to do it. And I think a lot of the values that he has are actually pretty solid. You know, he, he's pretty in line with the way a lot of Scottish voters um, think, despite the fact that the Greens may not, you know, have a comparable sort of um, support in, a, in, a, in an election. I think he's... he's you know, he believes in social justice. He believes in um, getting to grips with the climate crisis, and he's got a he's got a very good understanding of the education system. Um, so he's he's done he's done a great job in many respects. Um, we're going to do minimum pricing, but we're running out of time. Good week, bad week. Let's start with you, Ben. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So good week. Um, and a, a bit of a left field choice. Uh, Ian Murray, um, the Labour MP, who uh, um, really just through being a you know an all round good egg and a safe pair of hands, uh, the polls now look and, and especially with some of the the blunders uh, at, at Westminster this week, it's looking more and more likely that uh, Ian Murray will be getting the keys to Dover House, um, the Scottish uh, Secretary's palatial. Uh, pad on on Whitehall uh, and bad week and I did choose this before he resigned um, and I have the email chain to prove it. Michael Matheson um, has has obviously had a rotten week um, and almost out of nowhere really that um, he's obviously had a bad week behind the scenes because he got a first look at the draft report and has probably been chewing it over. Uh, can I stay? Can I stay? And you know as Clearly, he can't stay if, if, if he's going to have been found to have misled officials when he put his expenses claim in, then, you know, obviously he can't stay. And he hasn't. Indeed. John, how about you? So I'm going to go for um, David Hamilton, the Information Commissioner in Scotland uh, for good week. He... Um, he is holding, an, or he's announced that he's going to hold an investigation into the Scottish government's use of WhatsApps and other informal messaging systems um, as a result of what he's heard in the COVID inquiry. Um, the kind of slightly amusing subplot to this is that, um, you know, after Hamza Yusuf was eventually kind of shamed into handing over some of his WhatsApps, one of the few that we actually were given access to was one where Hamza Yusuf has called David Hamilton a disgrace um, <laughs> in his previous role um, at the Police Federation. So 
you know, talk about karma is uh, like a few years later, suddenly this same guy is the information commissioner who's um, launching an investigation into Hamza's own government. Um, a bad week, I think Rishi Sunak has done absolute stinker. Um, oh. and we were talking about like if a bad week is one where it has been entirely self-inflicted wounds, then this must um, take the biscuit as a political bad week. He started off with this crazy interview of Piers Morgan in which he's shaking hands on a thousand pound bet um, on whether he's going to be able to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. Um, just a complete political disaster. It was just a guy that couldn't think on his feet quick enough to realise that that was an absolutely awful idea. Um, and he's ended it with this making a jibe about um, trans people uh, in Parliament on a day where the parents of a trans murder victim have been in the public gallery. I mean, it's just beyond belief, really, that you could be so thoughtless and stupid. So I think he's probably had one of the worst weeks of his political career so far, and he's had a few. He's just, he's crap at politics. Just, yeah. Just it. He's, you know, That's he's really... good at making money, you know, he had some successes as chancellor, but just a political tenure, so much. And I think that's just been brought to the fore this week. And I can just, I, I can see the general election campaign being a disaster for Sunak. Yeah. Seems like a guy that would make, he was probably very good at being an offshore banker and you kind of wonder why he ever wanted to move out of that into politics because he's so badly suited. Terrible. All right, that's us. Um, so thank you to John and to Ben again for their expert insight and analysis. Um, uh, I hope to see you again next week at Planet Hollywood. Who knows what we'll, we'll be discussing. You know, the Matheson Circus will have moved on. The WhatsApp Circus seems to have moved on, but uh, no doubt there will be some trauma to be pulled over. So, see you soon. Bye-bye. I think it's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal.